You're listening to the Faith Made Welcome podcast, a progressive podcast of faith where we look at Christianity from a progressive Baptist tradition. This podcast is brought to you by Commonwealth Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. So whoever you are, wherever you are, or whatever you think about faith, you're welcome here. Please let us know what you think about our podcast by subscribing to it or by sharing it with someone who may be looking for a podcast like this. And we would love to hear your feedback. So please leave us a comment or question on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Let's get started. We're not supposed to recycle the bags. We had a recycler in our church who told us that. The bags break the machines and they have to stop the recycling process and go fish out all the bags that the morons put in the recycle. So you have to collect why them together. Do you do this? I don't know why I do that. Um, I, I'm this a trash is in order. his pants. In my pocket of my pants. I mean, <laughs> but you also put your coffee bag trash in your pants until Sherry was like, we have trash cans. Yeah, I'm watching him This conversation is not trash. about me. So uh, when I was in seventh grade. Wait, so what you're going to do is transition and make it more about you? Go on. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing at all. And uh, so I remember I like it was it. a long talking. time ago. So this was 1980. I don't know how old one is in seventh grade. Uh, but it came down to me and someone else, and um, we uh, were both on the stage, and the word was... I, I don't... You remember the word. I remember the word that got us into this mess. I don't remember the words in the... If this is later on down the line. The word was likable. The word was likable, and it was, between, it was up to me and the last person. Um... And uh, so the other person went first, and they spelled it L-I-K, I don't even remember, L-I-K-A-B-L-E, and it was like, bing, wrong. So I said, well, there can only be two ways to spell right. this, right? L-I-K-E-A-B, uh, you know, L-I-K-E-A-B-L-E, yeah, woo! And then I had to spell another word to seal the deal, which was, I'm sure, a piece of cake, but I have no idea what that word was. And, you know, great victory and heraldry and all the fun stuff that comes with winning a seventh grade, or really winning the spelling bee as a seventh grader in the, in, in the, in the church school, uh, the school that went along with the church. It was parochial school. And then uh, words started to trickle out that there may be two spellings for the word likable. It's like potato with Dan Quayle. Yeah, there, there's two mm-hmm. spellings, potato and both are potato. technically correct. Uh, and I think it was like the losers. I'm not going to say the person who didn't win. I'm going to say the lo- the losers, uh, like mom and dad or whatever, freaked out because they thought their child was being unfairly whatevered, and so. This is where I made many mistakes. I learned a lot of lessons here. They said, we're going to have to do a runoff. And I should have said no. I should have said, nope, I'm good. Mm. But I said, yeah, sure, okay. Because what do I know? I was told, taught to be a nice, subservient, whatever, child, you know, doing what Because you're, adults, what, 12 years old? Split 12 years old. You know, it's like, oh, okay. And uh, the, other, uh, the other student won the runoff, and therefore they were the spelling bee winner. Do you remember what word got you? I don't. I don't. The only word I remember is likable. Do you still feel pain about this? No. <laughs> no. And that's why Paul is such a likable guy today. Yeah. Because uh, you are the spelling bee loser. There's one way to. There's one way to spell likable. I think. 
your way. It's an E in it. So uh, uh, that's the that's the, that's the tale. So it's like, what is the mistake I made in this? It is not spelling. It is not at anything else. It's when when somebody doesn't like the outcome and they want to do over. The answer is no. Mm. No, I'm good. You know what's better than a do over? <laughs> a debrief. A debrief. Mm. And that's what we're doing now. <laughs> Ooh, segway. That segue. <laughs> slick, slick. Yeah. We should include Paul's story in the intro because he also tells his science fair story, yeah, science I've, project story. We're so getting just all like, his childhood well, trauma. Wonder, yeah, people wonder why he struggled with faith in science <laughs> and faith Paul's in childhood science. trauma. <laughs> We've invited you here, Paul. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't come to these way of being that I have for myself on a whim. I mean, there are baked in experiences in my life that have gotten to me where I am with all of this weird trauma that I have that has uh, led me to do things like have podcasts today and have these kind of conversations. Yeah, we had, we recorded two podcasts today, which, or maybe, maybe three. three. Yeah, maybe three. Uh, our listeners maybe f- will know. Maybe four. Depending. I, this could be four. Um, by the time, yeah, so today's just been such a rich day that we thought we shouldn't let it go without maybe spending a little... Like, we were saying such good things that we felt, let's hear... That Paul was like, everyone stop talking. Yeah. yeah. We, we were <laughs> having, having, having lunch. Getting yeah. out the soundboard. Having, having lunch having lunch after the, the yeah. conversation with Dr. Walker. And he's like, uh, we need to stop this conversation. But it's great because that's what the first series of our podcast really was, was great pastors doing amazing preaching and then us spending time in a room thinking like whoa there was so much there for the record it was robin that said we should record a debrief is it i'll take credit for that (laughs) (laughs) and it was i that said okay let's get everything out everybody stop talking right now well we were what we were talking about is how you said rich the conversation was she's gesturing at me Yes, sorry. And I said fast, right? Like I described Graham Walker to y'all as like the Robin Williams. He is to theology what Robin Williams is to comedy. And you just have to like, he goes Mm -hmm. and you got to keep up. And so we were saying there was so much in that conversation. Is this two podcasts or is it maybe three podcasts? Mm -hmm. So that people have a chance to stop and kind of absorb before it becomes too much, because there's just so much good yeah, stuff a lot. in there. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think when you all invited him to come, you all you told us like this is going to be like there's going to be so much here. He's going to throw out so many references, and you did not disappoint. You did not. <laughs> he did not disappoint. Yeah. Yeah. It did make me realize though, like Robin, you are so his student because <laughs> every time I have lunch with you, I walk away with a reading list. So. I take that as a compliment. So I don't it's think like, it's, like, it's like the Sith. There's always two. Students, right? But what's crazy about Graham is he knows that much about everything, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that much about, like, Bible and theater. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, like, you came and you were like, oh, I have nothing to add because I'm an English scholar. And he's like, Ooh, this Shut is all narrative. Yeah, You're the center of the whole thing. Isn't that great, though? Like, these reminders that, like, we all fit into this puzzle Mm -hmm. somehow? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what from our conversation today is, like, sticking with y'all? 
We're all looking at Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like, Go. Um, I think what stood out to me is how much they are related, mm-hmm. and how the approach is different, but we all seem to gravitate toward the same story of how and why. Or at least the same questions. Or the same questions. Um, and that doubt is plays a big part in it. Mm-hmm. That was one of the shockers to me. It seems like doubt is one of the connections that make them kind of relate to each other. Because doubt is so important. And it's looked at differently in each camp, but it's still one of the common denominators. Mm-hmm. You know, when when the scientist goes at the nature of, of doubt, it's about doubting the data. It could be about di- doubting how the data was treated. When, when I say the data, I don't mean like doubting that there is data. It's like doubting the collection of the data or doubting the treatment of the data or doubting the confidence in whatever the result is. When when one is coming at science from a from a theosophical point of view, what is the nature of doubt? If because if you're saying you know uh, I am devoutly religious and I am I mean pick a denomination it's, it sort of doesn't matter that much I don't think, but you say I have doubts. It's like what what is the doubt? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the thing that gets people? I mean you can think about your congregation if you you know like when people say they have doubt, what do they doubt? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Like, like, what's the difference between doubt and curiosity? Like, both of them lead you to questions, right? Yeah, right. But doubt is something we we think of as being, like, wholly negative. Like, oh, I have doubt. Something is suspect. Right, you know? yeah. But it's not that far from, oh, I have curiosity. I have questions. Like, I think, I, think I wonder if doubt has a... Does doubt have to have skepticism? And curiosity, not necessarily. But, it, I mean, it's all questions, right? Right. And questions can lead you to affirmative answers or negative answers or more mm. questions, right? There's there's always a possibility it could go either way. And there's right. there's no confidence in doubt. Like when you doubt, you're questioning your confidence in something. Yeah, it, it sounds like you've already come up with some conclusions or at least some opening has already happened mm. to, to, to come to doubt. And curiosity, you're trying to figure out Mm. Or what if doubt includes fear? Yeah. yeah. Fear that what you suspect might be true, whereas yeah, curiosity. Or, or, or if, not, if not fear, consequences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uncomfortable consequences. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get kicked out of my church, or uh, my family's going to think I'm weird, or something, you know. I mean, that's what really stood out to me in the conversation today is that, like, it was, it was like this conversation that made me think, like, at the crux of this conversation is fear and doubt. Like, what are we as Christians so afraid of, right? Like, the fear was so, such a big part of that conversation. Like, why are we so afraid to put our faith through our curiosity? Like, why are we, why are we afraid to test it? And it reminds me of, like, what were those? For such a personal thing. Yeah. For such a personal thing. Well, that's probably why there's the fear, right? If my, if I'm like putting myself or if my family is firmly rooted in a belief system, if I allow myself to question any piece of it, there's a possibility that the whole thing could unravel. 
Mm-hmm. And there are huge, huge consequences for that if things that are deeply personal to us unravel. And this is maybe a, like a kind of biological thing, which I should not be talking about this. I should make yeah, Paul talk about good. this. But like, like, right? Like if we have doubts that put us outside of the norm of our community, that like from an evolutionary standpoint, being the outlier in your pack is dangerous, right? Like you will starve, you will die. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Yeah. But I guess, I guess what, what I see about that, like is if I look at our faith community. Yeah. We're kind of all outliers, but maybe in different areas. <laughs> We're like the misfit toys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, that's what I love. But, I mean, that's what faith community should be, right? I mean, ideally, instead of being rooted in homogeneous belief, Hashtag oh, Roman Empire. Am, am I about right? to, if I say something heretical, you have to turn that off. I mean, what, what, <laughs> no, we're going to turn it off. Yeah, what yeah. If church, you know, again, Morgan Freeman comes in. They did not turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what if instead of church being rooted in like uniform belief, what if the root is quest, like searching, like I, I want to know. Mm-hmm. What if, what if that's the, the unifying feature, is that we're all searching? And maybe doubt leads us to not wanting to be wrong, but curiosity's expanding our knowledge, right? Yeah. So doubt is like we're trying to prove ourselves not to be wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm doubting this, but I'm hesitant because I don't want to, I think doubting's wrong because I don't want to be wrong. I've built my whole faith on these beliefs and I've gotten to this place because of these beliefs and if I question that I don't want to be wrong because then everything comes apart. That, what's the bias that goes into that? You, the buy-in buy-in bias or whatever they call it, right? You've already invested this much you know, so you keep putting quarters in the slot machine because yeah. if, you, if you say, you know what, I didn't win uh, you consider that you've lost all your investment to this part and, and all the value mm-hmm. of, of going to this point yeah. already. There's some. It's like this actual psychological. But a lot of people, a lot of people that do experience doubt, and it takes them on a different journey, but a deeper journey. I'm thinking about like all these books I have on my shelf, Rachel Held Evans, and you know all these people who've had like crises at different times. Even those people who end up somewhere else, whether it's in a different denomination or, you know, maybe even different faith, I don't really read those people that even really, well, that's not right, true. I'll say a lot of people don't necessarily even regret the early stages that they end up no longer believing, if that makes sense. Now, that is true for people that experience trauma, right? I think if somebody feels trauma in a faith community or around a belief, there there rightfully is regret and should be. Um, But people who have their belief take them in a different direction, their faith evolve, um, a lot of them say, you know, like this fundamentalism that I started in or this that I started in, like it shaped me in ways that pave the way for me to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So is there that buy-in, like, it's all a waste? You know, I mean, there's a couple of ways to see it. I mean, one of them is it's part of the path yeah. that you're on, and everybody 
has to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere, and that can be different. I mean, that's what you're born into, I think, is where the, what the starting line is yeah. for a lot of people. And other people find it on their own. Um, but to think where you finish is predestined by where you start, I think, is not true. Mm-hmm. There's a song that I love. Um, Nicole Nordeman is a Christian singer who clearly had... Um, a transformation in her life and she's got a song called Dear Me and it's a song that she wrote to her I've heard this song it's so pretty isn't so it good. Yeah. right her early you know her younger self and it's it's saying be patient with yourself but ask a lot of questions um, and so she, throughout the song, sings things that she used to believe and then what she believes now. But the song does begin and end with, you know, it takes time and it takes questioning. And just to be patient with yourself and be gracious with yourself, but ask lots of questions. Mm-hmm. Like there's more to it than you know right now. Because there's something beautiful in changing your mind that we don't always talk about. Um my mentor from undergrad, and I mean, I'm still, Paul Heilecker is still my dude in a lot of ways, but the epigraph of his book is basically like, he says that this book is for other people who, like him, have never understood what's so bad about changing your mind. And I mm. love that. Mm. Um, and the rest of the book, I mean, the rest of the book's great, but like that quote, I am so, mm-hmm. like, let's let's be people who ask questions and explore to the point that we change our minds. And you had, Paul, you talked on a blog yes. yesterday, you, um, Shameless plug. about this. My blog just came out yesterday. You had a student who was recording a video for you, who in the middle of recording yeah, she something, changed her mind. she changed, she changed her, her mind, mind right? on camera. She changed her mind on camera, right? It was, um, read this thing, you know, extract out of that the three main points, and since it's a science class, obviously, right? Um, say whether or not you agree with those three main points, and if you have, if you if you do agree with them, why? Mm-hmm. And if you don't agree with them, why? And you know, the student was like, yes on number one, no on number two, yes on number three, and halfway. It only took her, like, after she went through number one, it's like she was only 30 or so seconds into number two. And it's like, you know what? I think I just changed my mind. And it's like, cool. And it's like, you could see, you know, and I was watching this for about a minute and a half before that. You could just look at it and it's like, she's changing her mind. She's just, she's just talking yeah. herself through it. She's talking her way into it. It's like, and there it goes, you know, and, and there it went. Great? It was fantastic. Yeah. And, and the blog was about what do I really what do I really want to see here? Do I want to see a student come have the answer, or do I want a student go through a process? Mm-hmm. And th- that really was, but that that whole paragraph, God, that was a long one too, was about. It's like I don't want to grade whether or not they have the answer. I want to I want to be able to have a conversation about what the process that you come to a way of knowing is. And you got to watch uh, the student go from where they started to where they finished with a hard left in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gave her 11 out of 10. It was like, <laughs> awesome. Because they always just want to get it right. Mm-hmm. And what I said in there is, uh, that's why I love the video part of that. Because if it was actually a paper, you would have missed all of that. Because mm-hmm. they would have edited all the, the mind changing out. Hmm. You know, they would have just yeah. given what they thought was the right answer was. But, and she had the courage to actually submit the thing as it was with her changing her mind. Well, I think our culture 
rewards consistency. And so we don't want to be, we don't want to be caught changing our minds. But it's so important. Well, we are right right now. We're kind of like a dig in your heels culture, and mm-hmm. we see. Well, we see changing your mind as a weakness. I mean, we see that with candidates running for office yeah, right now. Terry, that you know. look at people that have a long <clears throat> history, and people are like, well, look what they did 30 years ago. Look what this person did 15 years ago. Look what this person did 20 years ago. And it's like, well, are they a flip-flopper? Or have they grown and evolved and changed their mind as they've mm-hmm. gained more information and learned? And that's the thing about science. Like, science is good at changing its mind, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I in one of my classes this week, I was telling my students, science is basically just one-upping each other to eternity. Like, that's It's exhausting. Right? <laughs> right? But, like, Ugh. it's like, ah, you thought you were right, but now I have new information. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, like, it's Why are def- scientists so argumentative? It's like they're literally trained to argue, like, all the time. It's <laughs> exhausting. It's like, <laughs> Can we, we like, won- can we just like watch the show? You know, it's like, why do we always? What does everything have to be an argument? We wonder why you teach at a community college instead of being a research scientist. Oh, yeah, right? it'd be exhausting. Uh, it would be exhausting. Mercy, mercy. Um, so, what's the question that drives people when they explore the the doubt? Because um, when they have curiosity, when, when they have questions, you know, and they, they might have some inklings which uh, of things that already might be leading them to a place of doubt. I mean, I went through that um, with the church that I was with when I was growing up. Uh, I, that wasn't a de- To leave that church wasn't a decision made flippantly and not out of proximity. You know, it was, it was an evidence-based conclusion that it's like, this is not the way uh, for me. And... Uh, I added the for me, for kindness, on the end of that statement. Um, but when when there are questions, when, when one is doing a, a spiritual reconciliation or a religious reconciliation, and they have the terrifying doubt or they lack confidence because they're finding out some things that might ask them to do some uncomfortable things that they don't know what the, the, how it's going to end up, what is the question? What's being looked for? You know, so when, when you when you have these ideas of your faith that you're raised with and then you get some other evidence that comes in and uh, questions start to emerge, mm-hmm. um, where does the question turn into doubt and, and what is being threatened? What's being threatened? You know, I'm looking beyond your head right now, Paul, and right behind you, there is a book called called Leaving Church. No, it's called Leaving Church. (laughs) It's called The Answer to the Question, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) No, Leaving Church by Barbara Brown Taylor, right? Uh Uh-huh. Have you read that, Robin? Yeah. Yeah. You want to tell us about that book? Oh, why do you put people on the spot? I didn't even ask a question. I invited you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Just saying Pull that. the back up. Pull it so I can... So this is... Barbara Brown Taylor um, was and She is an ordained minister. She was an Episcopal priest. Um, she uh, is no longer a parish priest. She is now, I believe, a religion undergrad professor. Um, And this book is her memoir 
that led her out of the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, she, I mean, she had an experience where her faith evolved. Um, and actually, I mean, she would be a great conversation for this, a follow-up, because um, her last book that I'm aware of, remember we heard her speak at Wild Goose yeah. Festival last summer, and it's about, if I remember correctly, her latest book is about religion in general and things that people glean from religion in general. Because what she does as an undergrad religion professor in North Georgia is she takes students, undergrad, who are probably all grew up mostly Protestant Christian, and she introduces them to all the major world religions mm-hmm. and it sends them through the process right because once you learn more suddenly you have questions and so these young adults she kind of mentors through the process of figuring out how these are different how these are similar um you know what is kind of universal truth that founds in all of these and what's particular to different religions and what the, the question that i asked right mm-hmm. is what 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 do I need to know to become a better person and to be better engaged with other people? And what am I learning that can become a part of my faith life? Right? That's that's probably the questions that she leads them to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but this memoir is her experience of realizing that church ministry is not where her faith is. Mm-hmm most rooted. Because that, that, that seems like a conclusion that someone would draw if they're thinking about how to live their life now. Not the rewards of mm-hmm. doing 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 the right thing and what I'm going to get for that later. It's mm-hmm. like, the dissatis- this is what we were talking about last time, right? The dissatisfaction is now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and the dissatisfaction mm-hmm. that you're feeling is now. Um, and if it wasn't, then why are you even asking the questions? Why are you even asking the questions if you're so happy? Yeah, I think... Doubt is the way of faith many times. Like we never, we put it aside, but we never leave those questions behind. We may never ask them, but those questions are always with us as we keep moving through this journey, or faith and all that. So doubt's just part of it. And when, when we start asking the questions, maybe that's an indication that we are ready for um, to be up-leveled when you start asking <laughs> questions, right? Yeah, that... we've gone from, you know, stages of faith one to stage of faith two. You know, you start asking questions and evolve. Um, but that, I think that's where we get stuck. We don't feel like we have the right to ask a question. Or we're afraid that instead of the doubt taking us from level two to three or whatever, that it's going to... Send us back. All the, yeah, yeah, to nothing. What are these levels? You mentioned this in the in the actual <laughs> um, podcast, and it's like, I don't know, this is the first time I'm hearing about yeah, this Yeah, this, James Fowler, Fowler. Um, has a book that's a pretty standard book about stages of faith development. Um, and so it's spiritual maturity. Uh, and it's, it's rooted in um, other books about, like, psychological maturity. And so there's, in, in his theory, there are six stages of faith. Um, yeah, I need to Google it to see the <laughs> specific I'm not Googling sub-bottom. it. What, Robin? But, you know, number one is, he's got nice terms for everything, but level one is, you know, things are black and white. 
What a, um, what a gift it would be if life was like It's that. like yeah. chi- chi- the way children yeah. see things, right? And mm-hmm. then level two, I forgot what bougie from a level one to level two, but level two is a little Some more. And it's three or four that requires the faith crisis. You either have to have the faith crisis to get from two to three, or they have to have a crisis to get from three to four. Um Almost, if I remember correctly, almost nobody gets to a level six. It doesn't sound like you want to get to a level six. Well, like you're, there's something, you know, there's something like with level six changes, that you know, it, it, it is, it's actually, your faith is changing the world in right. some way. So, yeah. like, like, I mean, when we studied like this Carter, 20 years yeah. ago, um, Mother Teresa, I think James Fowler had said was a six. Gandhi reached level six. And when we, 20 years ago, when we were in seminary, he was saying that he thought that Jimmy Carter was in that process of mm. moving from mm. a five to a six. Wow. Um, but the one thing about that is that he also says that you go back and forth mm, through these stages. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't you don't like level up and then that's, that's and then you're there they're there. Right. And then you just stay there until you level up again. You might level down. So it's not like a video game where it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 you're always in exactly. Did you find it on your Well, so I found you know, I so there's a Wikipedia article about it, but what's funny about it is it's not exactly easy to navigate, but what's funny is it maps uh, each of the stages to a specific year as though it really is cognitive development. Mm. Um, And so if you go just based on years, though it does say like 21 plus, um, so apparently once you hit 45, you should be at level six, so. 45? What's the matter, Paul? (laughs) Is there a test? Is like an internet test? You might be level six, who knows? Um, you should try, take if, the strength if, assessment and yeah. find out. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> he should take the strength assessment. You're he saying that like I have a, count, like a code at home or he something. He literally like has that. a code sitting next to himself every time we record a podcast, except for it's right now. It's mocking you. It's mm-hmm. mocking you. Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, Robin's the, got the book. I've got the book right yeah, here. Yeah, there was a somebody, um, I don't know who it was, some folks who it is thought have come close to nirvanic enlightenment, Mm -hmm. right? Have sort of said similar things though. It's like you see, start seeing seeing the world through the two wings of wisdom and compassion, all in balance and everything is hunky-dory and you see the true nature of suffering. And then uh, you, you read the stage, which you could almost call an enlightened stage, and you're actually there. But then something happens, and you get a flat tire, and you bump back down <laughs> to the earlier. So it's like it's, it's, not a, it's not a thing where you hit it, and then you stay. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you can sort of wiggle in and out of it. Roller coaster. Sort of as, as life has its way with you. But, I mean, that makes sense, too, right? I mean, things happen that knock us off our feet and derail mm-hmm. us. During the course of a day. Yeah. During the course of a day. <laughs> you know, and... We, that's what we've learned over the last couple of uh, decades is that there are things you can do to increase the odds of a mm-hmm. more positive outcome <laughs> that is more in line with your higher self than uh, than, than other things. Right. It's called, well, never, never go grocery shopping when you're hungry. You know, that's <laughs> when you make bad decisions. Uh, it's this kind of stuff. You know, it's this kind of stuff. You know, don't try to engage in a, you know, a spiritual discussion when you know uh you're you're in the you're in the pits and you see no hope i mean it's not that that's when you need it that's when you need to be the recipient not the and so um yeah lives are all over the place 
Well, I feel like that's why we need community, right? And maybe we've talked about this before, like, because some of us in the community might be in those good places where we aren't walking face to face with our doubts, right, in a particular moment. And so those folks can hold us up and they can be support um, so that other people can wrestle through the dark Mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's good that we don't all seem to go through the dark at the same exact time. Um, but I think that's w- one of the reasons we need community, so that we don't, mm-hmm. we don't, if we were all doubting at the same time, maybe we'd just all give up. Like, why would we? <laughs> right? Yeah, right, 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 right. So what do you bring with you to church, right? You bring, you know, you put, you put a, a shirt on and maybe a pair of pants or something like that, and you bring something for the donation maybe. basket. Bring your doubt. Bring your doubt, <laughs> right? So we, not so we yeah. can, not so we can exercise and get rid of it. And that's so you can share it with mm-hmm. others. Yeah. So you can share it with others, and we can grow together as a community. I mean, I'm the last person that should be talking about this with three religious professionals in the room. Uh, but I don't know. It seems like a it seems like it'd be a thing. Well, that's the hard part because some people just come to our worship service, and they walk through those doors with that, with with doubt, with struggle, with you know, a dark place. And the first thing we do is like, hey, let's praise the Lord and be happy and clap. And sometimes it's hard to make room for for that right out the gate of, of just your doubts and what you're dealing with. And mm-hmm. um, I hope we try and be honest, though, I, and make I do. space for that. I, but I think it's intimidating for people mm-hmm. who um, come through hurting like that. That That's... We try to like be happy and because we're happy to see each other, and that's mm-hmm. that's where the joy comes in. Right, we're together, but it, it makes it harder for people to walk through the door like that. And but I don't think all faith communities are like that. I think there are faith communities that are like really check your doubt, check your sadness at the door. At least I've been in communities where I felt like I had to do that because if I had doubts or if I had pain, even. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, if I had anxiety, it meant I wasn't Jesus-y enough. Yep. And so it was a fault with me. Um, and I've always had doubts, like wicked doubts, right? Um, and so this has been, I think, the first faith community where I actually don't feel... Like, I've spent years trying to be like, well, how much doubt can I show before Marty and Robin, before they're like... <sighs> Maybe she shouldn't be a deacon how thin here. Is the, how thin like, is the where's ice, right? where's the line? And I don't think I'm starting to think there isn't a line, which is really interesting. I think y'all well, might actually do the like all are welcome thing. Fascinating. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! All are welcome. Don't even give, Sherry Spiegel. Don't give anybody Weird. any ideas. Or don't give any ideas. So uh, I recall a, a story from when I was a youth growing up in a denomination. There's this Thomas guy in the Bible, and evidently he's got a doubt situation going on. So uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the lesson there? Is it um, don't doubt, it's bad to doubt, or is it it's okay to doubt? Well, Jesus is patient with him. And when he doubts, Jesus shows him the wounds on his side and lets him gave him the data. touch them. Because Jesus is a scientist, right? So. Hey, he works both sides. Yeah. yeah. Wisdom and compassion. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
Um, yeah, so it's like, because, you know, I, the, the reading of that is that we were always given was, you know, don't doubt. Just don't mm-hmm. doubt, right? There's no reason to doubt. You don't, you don't Doubt is not a, a thing that you need. Thomas is being chastised and scolded for doubting. Like, is he? Is he? Is no. that the, is that it? What's your take on it? Uh, he was chastised by of, the other disciples. Um, well, they weren't the one on the bubble, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they, uh, they, they, because, they you know, Thomas missed the first time Jesus showed up. Right. And that's when Thomas like, no, unless I see the data, I, I'm not, I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. But he missed the first sight of Jesus because he wasn't holed up hiding in fear in, in the right. upper room. Yeah. He actually was outside. And so we don't know whether he was outside clearing his head and processing his doubts or whether he was like, I've got to get back to work and was trying to move on with life. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But he had doubts, but he also wasn't the one hiding. The one who wasn't hiding. But then I think where you're getting your idea of Thomas getting the batter out is Jesus says something like, blessed are the ones who don't see me and still believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of harsh in a, in a way. Is that, look, is, is that just looking forward? Yeah, that's just looking forward. I think what Jesus was saying, like, Blessed are the ones who can just just accept that I'm back. Yeah, and if this is going to be a thing, then that's how and the way it's going to go. Whether they see the data or not, they can they can make sense of this. Well, he's preparing them, right? They're yeah. here on out. You're yeah, not right, going to see right, me, right? right? It's going to have to be faith. And Jesus was also kind of in the habit of spreading blessing around, though. So it's not like he was saying, blessed only are the people, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it's, it's these people are blessed. Cool, 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 cool. Um, Maybe those people over on the other side of the hill. Right. The people yeah. who saw me, that's going to be good for them, but also the people who didn't. And then Thomas believed. Yeah. I like it just like that. It was there like, there was, okay, I see it. I'm good. You're back. I'm glad. Robin, you're looking something up over there. What's going on? I'm not sharing it here. Okay. <laughs> let her <laughs> let her Google in peace. Right, let her Google in peace. Um, uh yeah, so we, yeah, we covered a lot of ground with that podcast we just recorded. Mm-hmm. And, we did. and we still didn't get into the other thing that I, uh, I came away with is like the scientific world like has these, like draws their lines, like they, they dig in their it's heels. Just yeah, like, yeah. like I never really thought of it. I thought, oh, they're all just like together, coherent and mm-hmm. like just like going through the data and like discovering all this stuff. And it's like, oh, they have different ways of, of approaching it as well, the data. Yeah, they all have some particular. And, and I, I just, I think I, I probably would have known that if I thought about it a long time. But I just have that image in my mind that, that they don't have those struggles like we do in our faith. Like I'm drawing my line on this issue, and I'm drawing my line of sand on this issue. Yeah. And I'm drawing my line on this. But scientist does that too, so I feel so much better. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like. You know, on one one of our episodes, like Paul was talking about how the all the faith communities are so fractured. But I remember, you know, when my husband was in like the physics department, there are like boy are there camps within the physicists too. Like so yeah, I mean they they have their own denominations. Yeah, Yeah, like you know, like boy have a conversation between the theoretical and the applied physicists. That's they do not they're not one happy family. And yet we're all kind of seeking the same thing. 
like understanding, fulfillment, purpose. Yeah, that's my question from before. Like, what actually is the question? You know, you want the answer, but Mm -hmm. the answer doesn't rock somebody's world. I mean, this is the inception phenomena, right? It's not the conclusion that 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 sends you down down the path. You can just you can do that with a question. And as Sherry knows, the question that I usually start that with is, so what if, what if, uh, what if? And um, that question alone is the planting of a seed that can send somebody down a path that it leads them in a completely other place. Mm-hmm. The answer is just like, my life is the answer. Mm-hmm. It's the question that is, you know, how I, how I live yeah. my life is my answer. You that's know, right. What, and maybe that's, that, that's probably why doubt is so scary. Is because if we find the answer, it might change the way we have to live. Yeah, you have to live. It, it asks things of you that you might not be know how to do right now. And if we're comfortable in the way we're living mm-hmm. now, and we have these doubts, we just push them aside because I'm comfortable. Which goes back with you referencing Thomas yeah. and Jesus saying, blessed are those who believe without seeing, that in the Gospel of John, belief is very closely connected with actions. Mm-hmm. Right, so what your belief is important, but part of why your belief is so important is because your belief flows through your actions. Yeah, and this gets back so. to the Matthew nineteen mm-hmm. that we were talking <laughs> about as well. You know, um, the answer to half the half my responses to people these days is oh, just Matthew nineteen. Right, <laughs> it's like uh, if it was so easy as a set of rules, right, Marty? If it was just so easy as a set of rules, everything would be mm-hmm. fine. What's you know, it's yeah. not a driving test though. It's a it's it's how do I live a life? How mm-hmm. do I live a life on this earth of, of meaning and value that um, is bigger than me? That um, where I give more than I take. Mm-hmm. And, and I maybe think, a, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was thinking like Nadia Bowles Weber tells a story in one of her books about having a conversation with a person that's like, oh, I just don't believe this. I I just don't buy into it. And she goes. I wish I could pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> That's when she was a chaplain. That's right. She was a like, hospital chaplain. She like, had to go was, visit a patient who was an atheist. Yeah. And she, she was like, like oh, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. <laughs> but you find the data that moves you to your identity, Place, to yeah. your purpose. Mm-hmm. And we find we find that here in our faith. And Yeah. Or like agnostic. I've always like, I've always kind of wished I was agnostic. Like just like. Eh, you know, maybe, maybe not. It's fine. Like, I can't be comfortable in that unknowing. Like, I want, I have so many questions, and I actually enjoy the process of continuing to ask them and seeing mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah. And, and that's, that's faith, too, right? Yeah. Asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having the courage to ask the questions mm-hmm. is the faith, you know, um, and the trust that it'll be okay. But it it's is what you come up to, because, you know, I don't think the fair pastors of Commonwealth are going to kick you out of the church if you don't come up with a conclusion that it's the same as everybody else's. Yeah. I mean, that's the part I wish I could tell my former self, like, thinking about that song that's about, like, Dear Previous Me. Like, um, like I've spent a lot of time thinking that asking the questions was what made me a weirdo. And what if it's not? What if that's... Or what if it is and it just makes you a good weirdo? It's going to be more mature. <laughs> right, I'll take it, I'll take it. Whatever questions you're asking, you're not that weird. You haven't heard the questions from this guy over here. He's not used to that. Those are some weird questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the weird ones. Yeah, and it's... Um, I think Graham, when we were in seminary, he said, you know, you're going to be doing this, you know, training to serve in ministry... You're going to be doing this all your life, so never stop reading. That's what he kept telling us. 
Mm. Um, never stop reading. Never stop learning. Never stop trying to understand. Um, and I've I've remembered that in mm-hmm. 20 years. Yeah. And, and you still read. And I, and I, still, <laughs> I still read some. Yeah. Thank goodness for audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think when you think you know it all, that's when. You have no idea how little Stop. you know. Yeah, well, that's, that's, when, that's when doubt comes as in. As a minister, yeah. that's where I've seen people get shattered. More so than seeing people ask the doubts, ask the questions. Where I've watched people get shattered is when people have no room for questions and they are absolutely sure of absolutely everything about Jesus and Jesus clearly talks to them and tells them what they should do and then something bad happens. Mm-hmm. And it all falls and you can see it coming you can see like this person is going to fall apart if they do not become comfortable with unknowns with things not being absolute with the gray with questions yeah that's why i breathed so much easier after we read here at the church in marty's sunday school um the sin of certainty by peter Mm ends right like oh boy what a relief realizing like certainty wasn't the goal yeah. Cool. Cool. So I started this uh, over lunch by saying, so you w- we want to do this faith science kind of podcast. Uh, did this scratch the itch? You know, this podcast we just recorded with uh, Dr. Walker. I mean, was that? Graham. You feel like, Dr. <laughs> Graham. That's right. Graham. Apologize, right? Mm-hmm. Did this do the thing for you guys or? I mean, this. I mean, because we have a couple more lined up that we're gonna we're gonna knock out on this series. But this was a this was a humdinger today. It was. Right? It was. I, I mean, I need to listen to it again. There's a lot to process, but there's some there's some rich nuggets in it. Yeah. Yeah. So we encourage everybody to send us some questions or your thoughts because or maybe you listen to this one more than once. Are these however we package them into two, two or three? three. Two or three. Or now there's I'm a lot starting, of process. Now I'm starting to think like, wouldn't it be fun if we did a whole series on doubts? Like, have people in our community send us their doubts. What do you doubt about? Yeah. And let's just wrestle with it. You can send them as anonymously, maybe if you want to. <laughs> just so I want names. You no. sent them <laughs> We'll, we'll, just, we'll open up names. a phone line. Can we do that? Yeah, right. And just have right, people right. call in. That's when I know people are my people when they're like. People will pull me aside and be like, Sherry, I know you're a deacon, but I need to tell you, I do this, like, super innate, like, super innocuous thing. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, like, half the church does. It's fine. It's it's perfectly normal. Like, yeah, like, we all have questions. We're all weirdos. We're just a bunch of quirky little humans making a journey together. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Paul, for making us keep the conversation going so, whoa hang on you're saying good stuff let's get a mic out and actually try to capture this kind of stuff other folks might uh, might enjoy it cool cool thanks everybody bye robin bye. marty see us bye this podcast is produced by sherry spiegel Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com.